Good morning. Welcome to community. It's a heavy heart that I only get to say that one more time next week. Uh, but I did have an incredible time last week with my family going up to a church that I will be serving at called Highlands Church in Paso Robles. And there, the congregation voted to receive me as their lead pastor. And uh, it was an incredible experience, but also a heavy-hearted one because we were, I told the search committee, if it was any other call, anything else, I would just tell them, I'm at San Marino and I'll be there for another 15, 25 years, whatever God's calling me to do. But um, uh, it's, it's hard to express what happens when you feel a call. It's like a magnetic pull in your life. It just starts to draw you forward and you know that it's uh, something that you need to do. And um, I'm sure most of you have experienced things like that in your life. But it was an incredible weekend, and I do want to tell you I had a surprise that day because uh, Ken and Andrea Fox came, and they attended worship that day. And I have a picture of myself with them there. They came, and they came with their daughter. They were already in the area, but they still traveled a little distance to get there. And then also Diane Perzada, people from this church, came all the way to Paso Robles for that first Sunday. And it was uh, so fun to, in the middle of my sermon, one of the points was what a wonderful, loving church this is. What an incredible, loving church San Marino was. And I was able to point out and say, hey, look, Ken and Andrea Fox came today. <laughs> and uh, they got a big stint, big round of applause. People were so excited that they'd come up to worship. So today is a, an interesting day to talk about the call that Jesus places in people's lives. And the scripture that you just heard, Jesus uh, picks, up the, picks up the mantle that uh, John the Baptist has, has left behind because he's been arrested. John the Baptist is an important character, and you don't want to miss this part of the verse. It's, at the beginning of the verse, it says that, that, Jesus, that John the Baptist was arrested, and then Jesus became, began his ministry. Now, John the Baptist was this guy who wore a camel's hair outfit, which isn't, wasn't in style then, it's not in style now, it's never been in style. And he ate only locusts and wild honey. And I've, until just a few days ago, I realized that, aha, the honey was like uh, biblical time ranch dip. It just made it so that, the, so that the locusts, it's like carrots. You can't eat carrots without ranch, right? You can't eat locusts without honey, so just a tip. But he ate only locusts and wild honey. His, his call, uh, and actually his name, he was a unique character. Not many people can say that uh, they got their name because an angel told their dad that, that that's what the name would be. Uh, that's who John the Baptist was. And he was, he was a character. And so he went out at the beginning of his ministry and he started preaching by a river called the Jordan River. And it was in Galilee. And he preached, and the Bible tells us that Not just thousands of people, but all of Jerusalem went out to confess their sins to John. Uh, Have you ever confessed your sins to another human being? Uh, Like all of them? Just, Just everything? And then they were baptized by John in the Jordan River. Now, this isn't a remarkable scene, and you don't want to miss it, because the people who went out to John, who left Jerusalem to be baptized by John in the Jordan River, they would have had to pass through this road that was was covered and strewn by crucifixes. Uh, There's a depiction of it here. Can you imagine walking down that road and seeing criminal after criminal or just empty crucifixes where criminals had been crucified and killed and murdered um, by the government? 
and just passing each one of those, and each one of those would have represented a different crime. Maybe someone had stolen something. Maybe someone had uh, cheated on their spouse would have been a, a, a punishable offense. Maybe they had started a kind of revolutionary movement, or maybe they looked like they were going to start a movement among the people. Uh, There were a lot of reasons that people could have been crucified, and each one of these stood as a giant roadside billboard to people to say, don't you dare think about committing one of these crimes. If we ever found out that you committed one of these crimes, then this is your punishment. You're going to be crucified just like these people alongside the road. Now, think about that setting, just dominating people's vision, people's mind, as they head toward the Jordan River to confess the crimes that they've committed to a crazy lunatic wrapped in a camel's hair jacket and, and, and just a rope. And so they did. They went to John and they shared. And for a lot of these people, they were sharing they were confessing things that they had done that, that could have easily landed them right there on those crucifixes. And then after they had confessed those things that they had done, John would take their head and he would push their head down under the water as a kind of drowning of the human being. And some of those people must have thought, I wonder if John is going to let me up again because he has every right under the law, to drown me for what I've done. Because what I've done is punishable by death. And yet John would lift them up out of the water and he would say, go and sin no more. You have new life. But then he would always be careful and say, I only baptize you with water. This is symbolic, what's happening. But the one who's coming after me, And he meant Jesus. The one who's coming after me will baptize you with the power of the Holy Spirit. There will be this utter, complete, overall cleansing of your soul and a new life that will begin in you. And so then Jesus, when he heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, and why was he arrested? He was arrested because he was seen as a threat to the establishment. What an oppressive, hellish atmosphere people lived in. And so when Jesus heard that John was arrested, it was his call to arms. He knew it was his moment. And so he stepped forward and he started to preach. And he said the same thing that John said, the same sermon. He picked up that same banner and he carried it. And he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now that is, that sounds like one of the strangest sermons anyone would ever want to preach. You know, oh, this is going to be really great. So make sure that you confess all of your sins and don't sin again. Now, when you think about heaven, do you think of a moment of conversion in your life? Really? I mean, if you think about heaven, uh, some of you might be thinking of being home right now, watching sports. That might be your heaven. (laughs) Maybe your heaven would be holding a newborn baby especially your own newborn baby or grandbaby. Is that your heaven? Or maybe it's that moment when you fall in love or it's when you're on a roller coaster. I, I, I used to have heavenly moments at the top and the bottom of the roller coaster. What is the moment of heaven for you? I, I remember when I was in the Caribbean, I, I, I lived in the Caribbean. I thought I was going as far out as I could on a limb in life. And so what I did as a a 20-something, right out of college, I went and I moved to the Caribbean all by myself. 
And I lived in a pretty good neighborhood, but by, by Los Angeles standards, the worst neighborhood. <laughs> and I would travel on little public transportation all over the island. And one day I decided that I would go to the best beach there was. And I took the bus and I went over the hill and, uh, and then down into this beautiful, beautiful beach. And I remember going out a little further from the coast than I usually did. Uh, do you ever get nervous when you swim in the ocean? There's uh, that little place where you feel like, okay, this is, this is deep. This is too deep. This is way too deep. <laughs> it's scary, isn't it, to be out there? Anyone else feel scared when you swim out in the ocean, like further? In, you do, right? Kind of healthy, probably. So then I was out there, and it was, it's a beautiful water. It was, it was just the best temperature water I'd ever been in. And I had my feet out toward the ocean, and I floated on my back, and I tipped my head back, and these are the mountains that I saw, this beautiful mountain range. And, and instead of looking like that, I should have flipped the picture upside down because when I looked at it, it looked like the mountains were coming out of the sky because I'm looking over my head. And in that moment, I felt like I was in heaven. And I wasn't afraid of the next wave that would come wash over me. That I'd, I wasn't afraid of the sea creatures that might be on, underneath there that I wasn't afraid of a person or anything. All I was doing is just, and in that moment, I just really felt like I was taking in how beautiful God is and how wonderful God can be in our life. And um, that felt like heaven to me. And as I thought about it more, and I have thought about it this past week, there is this, a moment of abandon with heaven. In a way, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near makes complete sense to me. Because heaven, heavenly moments are all-consuming. You can't pay attention to anything else when there's a heavenly moment. When there's a little newborn baby in your head, hands, you, can't, you don't notice the beeping of the little medical instruments. You don't notice anything that's going on. You just notice that little baby. When you're at the top of that roller coaster, all you're thinking about (laughs) is that experience right now. You're not thinking about the taxes. You're not thinking about whatever those things are that tend to cloud, cloud your vision so often. And when I was there out on the ocean, I had nothing else in my mind. It's as though the heavenly experience was completely dominating the landscape of my life. And I realized in that, as I've been thinking about it, that when you have heaven... When heaven's there in front of you, it dominates the landscape so much that it draws your attention like a magnet. It pulls you away from all of the other things that you could be focusing on and gives you a laser focus on God's goodness. And so essentially, when you have a heavenly moment, you have no other choice other than to repent. You can't do anything else. You just turn. And by the way, the reason I say that is because the word repent means to, that's right, Repent just means turn. Turn away from those things, those distractions. Turn away from those things that would tell you that that the path of freedom for you is actually just going to lead to crucifixion. And for those people, they had a hellish world, a hellish experience. They had only crucifixes around them to tell them, don't even dare to go down this path. And yet somehow, Heaven was all-consuming for them. And they were willing to follow Jesus. And then this amazing thing happens. It says that, that Jesus moved, as soon as John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus moved away 
from Nazareth and he moved into Galilee. He, and it's, the, the scripture tells us that it's because the prophet, prophet Isaiah had foretold that this would happen. And the beautiful words in that prophecy are, a light has shone in the valley of darkness. That a light will be shown in the valley of darkness. When, you, when you're in a dark place and a light shines in your eyes, the light dominates the darkness. It overcomes the darkness. And I love that it's, Jesus moved there and he saw his, his, his journey as being the fulfillment of a prophecy that was proclaimed 500 years earlier. Right? You know, for people that feel like their whole life is written out for them, boy, Jesus really must have felt that, right? You know? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus moved there. It says to fulfill what Isaiah said is that a light would shine into the darkness. Isn't that an amazing thing that, that the people in Isaiah's time who, now their existence was really hellish. They had no land. They had no future. They had no one that, that, perceived, that they could perceive that loved them. And yet, yet there was this prophecy that there would be heaven, that heaven would come to earth and that it would transform. So then you have this next, next little section that happens in a scripture today. It says that Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw these guys casting, these fishermen, casting their nets into the sea. And he hollered out to them and he said, hey, come follow me. Come on, let's go. And what did they do? They left their nets. They walked away, not just from their nets. They walked away from their families, their family business. They walked away from everything that they'd ever known in their life. And they were willing to enter into a a relationship of complete trust, total abandonment, essentially giving over everything that they'd known that was secure in their life and walking into a future that was unknown, uncertain, and had no security. You know, a woman came to my office the other day, and I've told you this before, but she asked me this question, what is faith? And I thought, that's a strange thing. And she, this, English is her first language, so I decided to start trying to explain to her what faith was. But she also had not been a Christian before, so she didn't know what faith was. And so I said, okay, let me give you an example. Um, this chair, I trust that this chair can hold me up but that's not faith. I can trust it based on the fact that everybody in this room is sitting on a chair and they're not falling down. That's a pretty good reason. I can, through my mind, I can go through all of these things in my mind to, t- to, to reach the point where I say, okay, now this, this is the right, this is okay to do. But that's not faith. Faith is sitting down in the chair. You cannot have faith without action. You can have trust, but you can't have faith. Faith is trust plus action. You can believe all you want that Jesus is the way to go in life, but if you never actually do it, then you'll never really have faith. You'll have trust, but you won't have faith. You can believe that if you help and you follow Jesus' commands to help the poor people of this world, that you will be bringing about joy into the lives of other people and you will experience joy yourself. But if you never actually do it, you will never be living a life of faith. You will only be living a life of trust. And when these disciples stepped out in an an unbelievable way, away from the Sea of Galilee, they were actually stepping away from an ocean, a small ocean, into a bigger one that was way more intimidating. And they were stepping out into deeper waters than they'd ever known before. And they were demonstrating their trust. 
in Jesus Christ. And so I plan in the next year to step out in faith as much as I can. And I want you to hold me accountable. I want you to send me emails. I want you to send me text messages. Hey, have you been stepping out in faith or have you just been preaching trust? And I hope that you would be willing to join me in that as well. To step out in faith. Where our trust, and I love that song, where our trust is without boundaries. I'd like to invite the band up as we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have given us a taste of heaven that is all-consuming and that, that, we, that dominates the landscape. And, and we thank you that you have retrieved the focus of our eyes and our hearts and our minds away from the crucifixes that have been strewn around this world that would want to tell us that, that what you have, the life that you have, is not real. And so, God, we pray that we would step out in faith, in defiance of the crucifixes, in defiance of the darkness, and that we would come to know the love that you have given us and to share that with those around us. So through the power of your Holy Spirit, we receive not just a baptism of water, but we receive a powerful baptism from your hand that would wash us clean, redeem us, and free us to be a people who would step out on the deep waters of life. We thank you for John the Baptist who gave his life, who was killed because of what he believed in. May we live our lives in the same way. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.